family in the evenings, just uh, keep refreshing what the Lord's teaching us here. We came across two instances where, where Jesus, once in a vision, came to Paul and he said, um, you know, when he was in Corinth, he said, no one's going to attack you. No harm is going to come to you. And then there was another time, um, it, we, we just had this last night, I think it's chapter 23. Um, he said, you will testify before me in Rome as you have in Jerusalem. And what protection that is to have your Lord right there at your side saying, you're protected. Do you feel that same protection? You have his word with you every day. There's your protection. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. You have that same protection. Deuteronomy 33, 27 says, The eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. Sheltered in the arms of God. with me and no 
Praise the Lord that we can be safe in his arms. Would you take your copy of God's word and turn with me to Psalm 91? I'd like to continue along that line of thinking as we read together, as a responsive reading, this psalm, Psalm 91. I will read the first verse, and if you would join me in reading the even verses as we continue through this chapter. So again, I will read the odd-numbered verses, and if you would join me in unison on the even-numbered verses. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, and from the noisome pestilence. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by the day. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, for I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Our great God, we give thanks to you for your word. We give thanks to you for who you are, the one in whom we can hope, rest, and trust. Lord Jesus, may we always be conscious. May we always rejoice in your presence. May we know you. And even in the midst of difficulty and problem, even in the valley of the shadow of death, may we not forget that in you we have life. And regardless of what happens in this life, we have everlasting life. For you rose from the dead, and in you are we united. And we give thanks for that this day. As we open your word, we pray that you would teach us. Dear Spirit of God, move among us. Help us to understand. Help us to apply. And help us to live. We need your help in all of these areas. I pray that you would help me 
that as I open and share your word, that you would fill me with your spirit and help me to communicate. May we all today set aside the distractions. Help us, Father, to do that, to cast them upon you, those things that trouble our minds, and may we seek to know you in this time. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Well, as we continue our study of our statement of faith, we've come to the doctrine of baptism. The doctrine of baptism. What is baptism? Well, if you were to give a consideration and take a survey of people, even just in this community, you would find a vast and long list of different definitions of what baptism is. And that's not something unique to our era of history. It has continued for some time. What is baptism? It's really important for us to understand it, but sometimes we lose the meaning of it. Sometimes we get caught up in the mode, the method, the way. All important. What I'm about to say does not distract from the importance of the mode and the method and the way. But we often forget sometimes to live the significance of it. I was baptized as a child years ago. What relevance does baptism have to do with me today? Oh, so much. Because what baptism pictures is real in every believer's life. It is so important in our lives. It's not really tied to just a one-time event when you get dunked in the water. It is a picture of a life that we live. And the reality and the picture that is given in baptism is something that should impact us every single day. I remember experience I had a few years ago when I shared with a new believer from the Bible what baptism was, not just in mode and method, but what it pictured. And I'll never forget, he just right there with tears in his eyes said, that's beautiful. And it helped me a lot. Here I'm the one who's supposed to be teaching him and ministering to him and to see his simple faith and rejoicing in a truth that we take so common that we sometimes don't realize the significance. It's so precious. Baptism is a beautiful picture, a beautiful picture really of who we are in Christ. Our statement of faith says that we as a church believe that the ordinances of the church are two, that is, believer's baptism and the Lord's Supper. Believer's baptism, which is the immersion of the believer in water, thus giving testimony that he is identified with Christ. This morning, I'd like to take time to first acknowledge the first part of our statement of faith, which is the immersion of the believer in water. But I'd like to take a special time to focus on the latter part of our statement to make sure that we understand that. That is, thus giving testimony that he is identified with Christ. What does that mean? You see, in our world around us, there is a lot of conversation there are a lot of perspectives of what's real, what's true, who you really are, 
What is your identity? This is a very important question. Who you are is really important. And it's really important that we understand who we are. Many of the problems that we have in our minds, many of the problems that we have as we live our lives are complicated because our view of ourselves and of our world is skewed. And so it is vitally important that we see ourselves as we really are. And it's very important. And what's that have to do with baptism? Well, baptism is a testimony of the most important identity we as Christians have, and that is to be in Christ Jesus. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28? We speak of this as ordinances under the doctrine of the church, ordinances. Well, what is an order? Well, I just gave it away. I was going to ask you, what is an ordinance? Then I gave you the answer. What is an ordinance? It's an order. It is a command. It is a command of Jesus. And so believer's baptism is just that. It is a command of Jesus. In the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, we read the words of Jesus as he declares to his disciples that all power, he says, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We refer to this as the Great Commission. It is the command of Christ to go forth. And our command is to go forth and teach all nations, discipling them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things that Christ has commanded. It's not just to teach them um, the things that Christ has commanded, but to teach them to observe those things which Christ has commanded. Baptizing them. Well, we need to do a little bit of defining what is baptism? What does it mean to baptize? Well, most of you think of yourselves as English-speaking people, but every time you use the word baptize, you're not speaking English. It has no English. There's no English in that word. It's not an English word. It's Greek. And so when you use it, do you know what it means? What does the word itself mean? Well, It doesn't mean ceremonial washings. Um, it doesn't mean the way you get saved. What does it mean? It literally means to immerse, to dip, to put into. That's why we talk of it as immersion. As I said, we're not going to spend a lot of time this morning talking about the question of mode of baptism, but the word itself means to immerse, to put into. And this is very important, especially as we begin to look at the second part of our statement of faith, which is that it gives a testimony that the believer is identified with Christ. Water baptism is an external, it is an outside picture 
It is a symbol of something else that happened in the believer's life spiritually. What was that? Your identification with Christ. To put it simply, when you were baptized into Christ, when you were put in Christ. Now, some of you are looking at me as if you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's one of the reasons why it's so important that we know what our identity is. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit moves inside of you, and the Holy Spirit puts you into the body of Christ. You become a member of the body of Christ. You are united with Christ. You die, and your life is Christ's life. He is your hope. His life is you, hid in you, you in him. That is our life. It is your identity. And so you are baptized, you are put into Christ. And the most basic teaching of this is in Romans chapter 6. Would you turn there with me? Romans chapter 6 teaches us very much of the importance of our identity with Christ and what water baptism pictures and illustrates. You know, we all, we all have to deal with something every day called sin, don't we? It manifests itself in our lives in different ways. Sin meddles in our minds, meddles in our words, meddles in our actions, in the positive and the negative we think on those things we ought not. We say those things we ought not. We do those things we ought not. While at the same time, we don't think the things we should think. We don't say the things we should say. And we don't do the things we should do. Oftentimes when we think of sin, we think of those things that we do that we shouldn't do. But it's not just doing those things that we shouldn't do. It's also not doing the things we should do. And we all struggle with sin every day every day. It's a problem. And so, should sin reign in our lives? Many have given testimony, perhaps you yourself could if you were honest with yourself, that it seems like sin is a king in your life, as if it reigns over you, as if it holds a power over you. Now, you might be thinking, preacher, I thought you were talking about baptism and our identity in Christ. What in the world does baptism and our identity in Christ have to do with sin ruling over me? Well, Romans chapter 5 and 6 gives us the answer and the parallel to it. The doctrine of baptism and what baptism pictures is something that a reality that as Christians we can and should be living in every single day. It is how we have victory over sin. And it has to do with how we see ourselves. Look with me. I said to turn to Romans chapter 6, but as I always tell you, we can't start just jumping right in. Back up one verse. Verse 21 of chapter 5. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. 
You see, we have sin that reigns, and it reigns unto death. If we look a few verses back in chapter 5, in verse 12, we see, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Sin reigns. Death reigns. But it doesn't have to. Here we see, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. What is grace? Grace is the gift of God that he gives to those who trust in him. Grace is his kindness. Grace is his mercy. Grace is his loving kindness towards us and his abiding strength. Ultimately, in the greatest truth, grace is impersonated by Jesus Christ. He himself is grace. And grace can reign through righteousness unto eternal life. And why do I say he is the one? Because of that last prepositional phrase. I've told you before, prepositional phrases are important, aren't they? Here is one that's really important. Because if you don't understand what grace is and want to understand what righteousness is, you might get the idea that somehow by doing right things and being good, you will gain eternal life. Oh, no. Life and righteousness and grace is by Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's all about him. We can't reign over sin. We can't live this life, and grace can't reign without Jesus. We've got to have Jesus. We've got to have Jesus. So why is baptism so important? Because water baptism is the picture of what happens for us spiritually when we are saved. Spiritually, when we are saved, we are baptized. We are put into Jesus Christ. Thereby, we receive his grace and his righteousness and how glorious that is. That's then why grace can reign in our lives. And so, Paul anticipates when he wrote this to the Romans under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the Romans would get excited about this. Oh, how glorious God's grace is. Sometimes it's important for us because sin, past sin, can sometimes overwhelm us with guilt. And it ought not. Because Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness, he washes us and he gives us his grace. So, Paul asks a question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You see, in the grace, there's forgiveness. In the grace, there's righteousness. In the grace, he takes our sin from us. He put it upon us. He dealt with that at the cross. It's a done transaction. And he closes us with his righteousness. So as clothed in his righteousness, the question is asked, what shall we continue in sin that this grace might abound more and more so it can be bigger and bigger and greater? The response in verse 2 is this, God forbid. God forbid! May it never be! That's what that expression means. May that never be! Why would we continue in sin that grace may abound? The grace, yes, abounds upon all of our sin, 
but would we willingly continue in sin that grace may abound? Especially if we are baptized into Christ, put into him. For this is where it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now you might be wondering, like the Romans, what do you mean dead to sin, Paul? I sure don't feel dead to sin. Every single day I'm tempted to sin. I mean, I mean I'm tempted to snap off at my wife or my kids because they pushed my buttons wrong. And, and I'm tempted to be selfish. And, and I'm tempted to do what I want to do. And, and I'm tempted by all kinds of things. Sin sure ain't dead in my life. Or is it? Well, that's one of the beautiful things that baptism testifies, teaches. You, brothers and sisters in Christ, are just that, in Christ. You have been put into Christ. And when you are put into Christ, you die to sin. But don't take my word for it. Look here. He explains it, knowing that we're all going to ask this question. Because every one of us are like, wait a minute, sin sure does seem to reign around my, my home and family and my own heart. He asks, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. When you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you were united with Christ. And just as Jesus Christ was crucified on that cross, it was as if you were crucified on that cross. It was as if you died. You died to sin. Now, again, I said, how does it have a difference in how we live our daily lives and all of this? Because you might be saying again, sin sure does seem like it rains around me. And now this says I'm dead? Is the Bible contradicting my experience? Perhaps. Is the Bible contradicting itself? Absolutely not. So what is really going on here? Well, we are dead to sin. We are separated from it. That's the actual basic meaning of death, is that when the soul spirit is separated from the body, that's death. It's a separation. And we are dead to sin because we died with Christ. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, I don't feel very dead. I sure am alive. But you know why you're alive? Look. Therefore, verse 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 22 puts it this way, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, all of it comes back to, again, this question. Death and sin, it reigns. But when we are in Christ, it doesn't have to reign, for Christ reigns. 
His grace reigns if we let Him, if we yield to Him. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. And we look forward to that resurrection when we will be delivered from this body of flesh where we still grapple with sin and we have the promise that this will be dealt with. Knowing this, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, and here's the key verse of our daily living. Here's the key verse of our daily living. Likewise, verse 11, reckon, consider, take into account, ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And here's a command. We talk about the Ten Commandments. We sometimes focus on the Ten Commandments because we call them the Ten Commandments. Now we have another command. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members, your body, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves. Here's a command. Yield yourselves. That yield means to, to let God have his way. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members, your body, as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. We are baptized, put into Jesus Christ. We, our old man, is dead meaning that sin no longer has power over him unless we give it to it. We are risen with Christ. Our life we live is Christ's life, or should be, if we reckon ourselves dead to sin, but alive unto God. When we are faced with that temptation, what we really need to be remembering is our baptism. I don't mean the water baptism in a tank of water somewhere or in a lake. I mean our baptism into Christ. When we're dealing with that time when we're tempted to snap, when we're tempted to do wrong, when we are tempted to do our own thing rather than doing what God wants us to do, in that moment, remember your baptism. Remember the moment you were put into Christ and you can say, that's sin, I'm dead to that because I am alive unto God and his righteousness and his grace will fill me to do that which he would have me to do. You see, the phrase they're talking about, we're not under the law. So oftentimes, as, as religious people, we try to create guidelines and rules 
for ourselves to not sin. There's nothing wrong with guidelines and rules. There's nothing wrong with discipline. But all of those things are empty if you think it's about you living in your own strength. We will fail. We need to remember our baptism into Christ and know that when we are in Christ and we yield ourselves to him, then his grace and his righteousness and his everlasting life flows in us and through us. So the question of what shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The idea is that grace covers and brings the forgiveness for all of those sins that we do. So shall we continue in sin? You know the greater way that grace can abound? Grace can abound in a greater way by delivering us from those sins. You see, we don't have to sin. Why do we? Because we forgot our baptism. I don't mean our water baptism. We forget that we were crucified with Christ. It's as if we were buried with him. We're dead to sin. And our life is Christ's life living in us and through us. So this morning, this week, today, every time of the day, as you're both as you are both dealing with the temptations to do wrong and as you are doing what is right, remember that you can't have victory over sin and you can't do what's right without Jesus. You've got to have Jesus. It's all by and through him. His life. His life. And so, brothers and sisters, again, when you're grappling with the... the the, let me put it this way, the terrifying monster of sin who acts like he's in charge. Don't forget that the amazing, wonderful grace of God can overcome. And the truth of the matter is, the victory has already been won over sin. It is simply for you and I to remember our baptism our baptism into Christ to reckon ourselves indeed dead unto sin, but alive unto God. For when we were crucified with Christ, we died unto sin. And just as Christ raised from the dead, so we, if you look here in the end of verse 4, so we also should walk in newness of life. Remember, your baptism. And this is why water baptism is so beautiful, because it is a picture and it is a symbol. It is a teaching lesson for the new believer to recognize and to see vividly illustrated, to experience this in their own lives, and to give a testimony to others of this glorious reality that has happened in their lives spiritually. Remember your baptism. Perhaps, though, you this morning haven't been baptized. Now, I'd like to make a difference between being baptized in Christ and being baptized in water because they're different. Have you been baptized in Christ?
Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ that he died for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose again, and that he only can give you life? He only can give you forgiveness of sins. He only can give you righteousness. It's only by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, not just in your head, but in an absolute confidence and trust in him for all that he has already done. And when you believe in him and when you trust in him, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit moves inside of you and the Holy Spirit baptizes you, immerses you, puts you into, into Jesus Christ so that you then walk in newness of life. Then you get baptized in water so that you can testify of what has happened in your spirit and in your life. So my first question is this morning, have you been baptized in Christ? If not, today you can get baptized in Christ by believing on him. And then second, if you have been baptized in Christ, have you been baptized in water? For we see taught through Scripture that those who have believed were baptized. We're going to spend a little bit of time doing, going through those Scriptures this afternoon of those who believe are then baptized. So if you've been baptized in Christ, have you been baptized in water as a testimony of what has happened of being baptized in Christ? We're looking forward to a special baptismal service on the 29th of this month as the Chongs are following the Lord in water baptism to publicly testify and declare of what has happened to them in their lives spiritually in being baptized into Christ, of being immersed into Christ. And for some time they wanted to be baptized and it's been delayed. And you know why it's been delayed? Because they want it to be a testimony. And they're advertising it on multiple continents because they want people to be able to log in so that they can watch the live stream of them testifying of their baptism in Christ Jesus. How glorious it is to be baptized in water, to testify that you have been baptized into Christ. And so, my three questions. First, have you been baptized in Christ? If not, believe on him. Have you been baptized in water? If not, come to me. I'd love to go through and make sure you understand what baptism is and love to schedule time for you to be baptized in water so that you can testify that you've been baptized in Christ. And my third question is, if you've been baptized in Christ and if you've been baptized in water or even if you haven't yet been baptized in water, do you remember your baptism in Christ? I admonish you to remember it to remember it day by day through life. Don't forget it. Because it is a picture to help us as weak, feeble-minded people to know and to recognize that we are dead to sin, but alive to God. Christ Jesus lives in us. And the only way I'm going to have victory over sin and the only way I'm going to do right is if I yield myself to him. That his grace 
may abound and abound and abound. That means go on and on and get bigger and bigger and greater and greater and greater. Do we live remembering our baptism? Would you take a moment to think of these questions? Have you been baptized in Jesus Christ? Answer the question in your mind. Have you been baptized in water and following and obeying what Jesus has said? Answer the question in your own mind. And will you purpose today to remember your baptism in Christ? Answer the question in your own mind. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are good. We are your children. We need you. Without you, we would have no purpose. Thank you for loving us while we were yet sinners and sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you had no sin and we give thanks that you were made sin for us and you took our sin upon us and you took our condemnation upon you and you sacrificed and laid down your own life for us. Thank you. Dear Holy Spirit, you have indwelt us, you have moved in. You long to fill us. May we live day by day walking in you. You, the newness of life. Great God, we pray for each one here this morning. Many, I know, have been baptized into Jesus, and we glory and rejoice in that today. But some have not. May your Spirit move among us today, and I pray that those who have not would today see their need for forgiveness, see their need for Jesus, and that today they would believe in you and receive salvation and that the Holy Spirit would indwell them. I pray for those who have been baptized into you, Jesus, who haven't been baptized in water as a testimony of this truth and reality in their spiritual life. I pray that you would show each one who hasn't yet been baptized in water their need to be baptized, that they would follow and obey your ordinance, your command in this regard. And Lord, I pray for all of us who have been baptized into you, that we would, moment by moment, day by day, both in the midst of heated battle with sin and also in the moments of quietness when we are seeking to know what we ought to do, that we would remember that we are in you, Christ, that our life is hid in you, that you are our life, and that we would truly, indeed, reckon, consider ourselves as truly dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto you. And may we yield our members 
yield our minds, our bodies, every part of ourself and all of our members to you and let you have your way in our life that you might glorify yourself. We seek you now in these things as we praise your holy name. We need you today, and we seek you, and we pray all this in your name. Amen.